Another dedication in tonight's share was by Usher and Sharon Bistamsky, and this is in honor of their son Noah's birthday, the 11th of Shvat, this Thursday. May the Ebersh Benchim with the Shnaz Bracha Natslacha, a wonderful good year, and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good, good things. You have a lot, a lot of nachas from him. Should grow in Torah, Yerushamayim, and uh, only, only good things. Thank you for that dedication, and uh, another dedication is both on the shear and on the CD. This is by Enoch Kimmelman. This is in honor of his mother, Allah HaShalom's Yortzeit, which is coming up next week on Tu B'Shvat. Pesi Bas Yechil Meir, Allah HaShalom. So may her neshama have a great aliyah. May she channel down big, big blessings to you, to your family, for only, only good, good, wonderful, wonderful brachas in the revealed and visible good. Thanks for all the dedications. All right, I want to remind everybody, the Mashiach Decoded classes are still happening, and they are really, really phenomenal. They're Sunday mornings at 9.45, um, and um, it'll probably be another three weeks. We're probably going to add on one or two because the subject I thought was less than what I ha- and when I'm doing more research, what there is to say on them. So it's expanding. The shear is expanding. So let's see. Hopefully, we won't have to talk about it as I mentioned because we're going to have the Giyula Shalema already taken from Iyad, and we don't have to speak and learn about it. Okay. This week is Parshas B'Shalach, and it's the singing Shabbos. Shabbos Shira. The Shabbos itself is singing. And we read the Shira. Shira Sayam, the great song that the Jewish people sang, and we know we sang in the past. And Ezra Hashem, we will sing again in the future. Oz Yashir Moshe. Moshe will sing. We will sing again, Bekar of Mamish. It's called... 
It says in the Medrash that there are ten songs. And we, we, we've already sung nine of them. There are nine shiras, and we're waiting for the tenth shira. And that's the shira we're all going to sing together with Mashiach Tzedkenu. And the shira of Mashiach is called Shir. All the other songs are called Shira. And this song is called Shir. The difference between Shira and Shira is Shira is a feminine song, and Shira is a masculine song. As we're going to see tonight in tonight's class, which is all about women, it's all about women and the redemption. So you can go home now. No. <laughs> in any case, um, the 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 the, the um, but still the song when Mashiach will come will be a masculine song, a male song. Why? Only for one reason. A female, a woman sings when she gives birth because. It's a relief. And Baruch Hashem, she has a baby. But doesn't last long because she'll get pregnant again. And then she's again kvetching. And so the Medrash says, she's going through from her time of song. It doesn't last. That's the idea of a female song. She's happy. She's making it. She's throwing a party. She had her baby. Now she's okay. But now it's over again. So that's why all the past songs that we sang are called female songs because we sang to Hashem for the miracles but they weren't songs that lasted forever because the Jewish people went through more suffering and another, another gullus. The final song is going to be a man's song, meaning it's going to be a song where we're not going to have a repeat, a repeat pregnancy. See, gullus, first of all, gullus is hard, but it's not, it's not evil. There are evildoers during the time of gullus, but the gullus is not evil because God doesn't do evil, chas v'shal. Gullus is a preparation for the giyula. That's the whole gullus. It's a pregnancy. And pregnancy is hard. And especially if we think about now, this pregnancy is already a 2,000 year pregnancy. So we're waiting for some spectacular baby to be born if this is the pregnancy. But in any case, once Mashiach comes, we're not going to go through darkness again. So it's going to be a masculine song. What I'd like to talk about tonight is the women's role in the singing after the Kriyas Yamsev, which we find that there is a special emphasis in the Torah, not only on the song of the men singing, but there is also an emphasis on the women singing. Not only is there also an emphasis on the women singing, but as we're going to see, the women far outdid the men in their song. But before we actually get to this part, let's talk about women in general in Judaism. Women have always been the, the hidden foundation. And Judaism recognizes the woman literally as the Akedah Sabayas, as the foundation on which all of Judaism stands on. That's the solid grounding. That's the, that's the foundation. But precisely because it's the foundation, it's not, the, 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 the women are not always visibly recognized and given their, their due credit and sometimes people kind of feel that Judaism is more of a masculine kind of a religion. It almost seems like the men have all the fun. They're the ones dancing, and they're the ones stumbling, and then we go to shul, and the women have to, are looking from the ladies' section into the men's section, and the action is happening on the men's side, and so on and so forth. And we know that women are not obligated in many of the mitzvahs, that men are obligated in, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot to talk about this. But one of the reasons women are not so highlighted throughout in, in Judaism is because they're the foundation. 
So the foundation is not seen. When you're looking at a building, you don't see the foundation. You see the building, and the building looks nice. People, But without the foundation, you have nothing. So the women are really the, the whole foundation. But there are certain times in history in which the power of the woman and the significance of the woman comes to the forefront. And it's our generation, particularly, where the women have to play the greatest role. So women have to realize that the men are not going to do... The men are not going to finish the job. It's the women that all of the world is looking at, the Jewish women, to complete what needs to be completed. So women do have to take a greater role in these days. Um, this week is the yard site of the 6th um, Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, known as the Rebbe Rayatz. And afterwards, successor, the Lubavitch Rebbe became Rebbe. It's interesting, at least in Chabad, um, the last Rebbe, the Rebbe, took a, 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 an interest in women and, in, and, and involved women in, in, in Yiddishkeit and, in, and, and created women as leaders and established... It didn't start from him, it started already from his father-in-law. Uh, generally, you know, in the Hasidic Rebbe's, they didn't really talk to the women and so on and so forth. The Lubavitch Rebbe would sit and have special talks just with the women. And it was, it was unbelievable. And he gave tremendous encouragement to the women. And he literally took the women and gave them such an importance. And the Rebbe says the reason that is, and he said it started with his father-in-law, is because the Golos is coming to an end. And as we come to the end of Golos, we need to bring in the closers. You know, in baseball, in order to win the game, you bring in the closing, the closing pitcher. And those are the ones who have to close the game. So the closers in Judaism who are going to close, who are going to solidify it all, are the Jewish women. Where do we find that? In general, we see that at the most crucial points and the greatest tasks in Jewish history, the women not only are taking a role, not only are they taking an equal role, they're taking the greater role. In other words, the men get a lot of the score a lot of the recognition throughout the whole thing. But when it comes to the, the moment when it really counts, it's always the women that are there and women are, the, are, are ahead of the men. And let me tell you where that is. We found it by Matan Torah, when the Torah was given, when the Abishta sends Moshe Rabbeinu to initiate the beginning of the marriage, the beginning of the contract between the Torah Moshe Rabbeinu go, oh, imagine, we're all waiting, counting. The highlight of Yitzhiya Spitzrayim is Matan Torah. It's like it's, we're, we're counting down to it. And Moshe goes up to heaven, he's coming down, and all the elders are standing, and all the big Kanakas, and all the rabbis, and, 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 and they're waiting to hear what does the Eberster have to say, how is Moshe going to sign a contract between Yidin and the Eberster, and everything. And where does Moshe Rabbeinu go? He just bypasses the men, doesn't even talk to them, doesn't even tell them a word. And he goes right to the Vibershul, to the ladies, and he has a meeting with the women. That was so shocking, especially in a masculine world. If you understand what kind of world we're talking about three and a half thousand years ago, so for Moshe Rabbeinu to bypass the men, not even look at them, and go to the women and talk to the women first, why did he do it? Because the Eberster instructed him. First speak to the Beis Yaakov, speak to the women, and the Sagid of Yisrael. And, uh, and that's because if we're going to accept the Torah, as we said earlier, and for the Torah to be able to endure, 
we have to have the women there before the men because they're the foundation. It's an amazing thing because even though technically they're not going to do so many mitzvahs like the men are doing, but they're going to be the foundation, so you have to speak to them first. Now, not only do the women come first, but to solidify Matan Torah, the women got it much better than the men. They actually absorbed it much stronger than the men. Because 40 days later, the men flopped. And the woman didn't. In other words, the lasting power. We got all, we got, received the Torah, we got all excited, and we said, Nasa the Nishma, and we accepted and everything. It was like New Year's resolutions. I heard it on the news the other day. They were saying, I was saying, they have statistics. January 12th is the worst day for it because most people drop their resolutions on January 12th. It'll last for 12 days. I don't know why they did I don't know what the science behind it is. We didn't do bad. We lasted for 40 days. But in the end of 40 days, uh, we made an eagle. But the women didn't. The men did, and the women didn't. They didn't participate. Why? Because they meant it seriously. When they accepted that they're, you know, the, the Torah, which means you should believe in Hashem and not believe in, in all the gods, for them it lasted. So you see that Matan Torah was stronger by the women than it was by the men. The next time we find again the women, comes time to build the Beis Amikdash. Now the Beis Amikdash was built in stages. It started as a tabernacle, as a, as a, uh, as a, as a mishkan, and then it became a first base, a mishkan shiloh, and then it became, you know, it, went, it went in stages. Finally it became a first base Amikdash, second base Amikdash, and ultimately we're still working on it. it it's a work in, it's a work in, in um, what does it say, how do you go? We're a work in progress, we're holding a middle end, and we're eventually we're going to, have the third base Amikdash. So the beginning of the whole process of building a, a Mishkan Fashem was giving donations for the Mishkan. Moshe Rabbein is the first fundraiser. Moshe Rabbeinu makes an appeal. And it says over there, The men came on the women. And the Mepharshim say, it means, Rashi, secondary to the women. The men could not keep up with the with the with the with the zrizos, with the swiftness, with the alacrity of the women, so the women's donations far outdid the men. And again, not only in terms of coming first, by the time the men and got there, there were long lines of women like bringing and bringing. They had to stand in the back. Not only that, um, not only that, but actually the quality of the work. This is from the things that they brought. So it says the women. The women were, were um, what was it called, spinning the goats, the goats here. So Rashi says, This was an incredible craftsmanship. There's a lot, of, a lot of tremendous work, incredible work being done by all the artists in building the Mishkan. But on none of them we don't say, It was like an unbelievable achievement by the women yeah what did they do they wove they spun the 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 goats here while it was still on the goats then later they had cut it off but first it was on the goats what's the what's the point of doing that there's three actually qualities to doing it that way number one the safarnu says the reason why they spun it while it was on on the goat while it was still on the goats because he says once anything in the world is detached from its source it becomes a little weaker Less quality. As while, it's, while it's attached, it's still connected to its source. It's still, 
a fruit, if we can only eat a tomato while it's still on it, it would be fresher, juicier, and so on and so forth. Once it's plucked, it's already beginning to die. And the same is with the goats here. Once you take it off, the quality is not like it's on it. They wanted to give it in the highest quality. That's how the Sephora says. Another reason was because they wanted to make sure that it's not going to become in the highest quality of purity. Because once something is detached, it can be makabal tumah, it can receive ritual impurity. But while it's still connected to the, to the goats, a balchai, a living entity, doesn't become tummy. So therefore they, so again, the highest quality physically, as we said earlier, and the highest quality spiritually. Or another reason, the highest quality, because once they cut it off, it's already either considered domain or it's, ki- or it's considered someach, which means it is the domain, it's an inanimate, or you can say it's a tzomeach because it grows on the thing. It was taken from, it was like something that was once, once a tzomeach, once a, like a vegetable, but here it's growing on the animal. But now they can give the donation when it's on a higher level, it's a chai, it's on the level of animal. And the donation on the level of chai is higher than the delish. But whatever you see is that the women, they gave whichever donations they gave or whatever they did was on the highest, most Highest quality kind of a giving. Now, Matan Torah, building a Mishkan, in a sense we can say Matan Torah is the foundation, the beginning of everything. Hashem gives the Torah to us. But what's the objective of the Torah? What's the objective of all the mitzvahs that the Ebershter gives us? The objective of all the mitzvahs is to build for Hashem a home in this world which is completed when we build the Mishka. So it's interesting, you know, it, it, when we went out of Mitzrayim, we had like the whole span of Jewish history happen in a, in a, mini, in a miniature way, in a microcosm. As we went, we got the Torah, and just a few, a little half, uh, what was it, uh, three months later, we already built the Mishka. And as we, we had the coming of Mashiach. Because we know that when the Mishka was built, the Abishter said, Basi, Legami, I came to my garden. No, it's, this is, what I, this is my intention when I created the world, to come live down here. You've already accomplished it. This was all a prototype. This was all a little sign of what we're going to create in a macro throughout. So now, for three and a half thousand years, we learn Torah and we do mitzvahs. Through learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, we apply the Torah to the world. As a result of that, we purify all of creation and we make the entire world into a mishkan for Hashem, where the headquarters is the Beis Amigdosh Hashlishi. But it's not only going to be the Beis Amigdosh Hashlishi. The third temple is going to bring the Hashroi Sashchina across the entire world, even to Minnesota and to Texas, to Australia. Everywhere will be the Gilead Lakus as a result of the, of, the Gilead, of, of, of the Godly revelation, as a result of the building of the third Beis Amigdosh. So, what do we have over here? The beginning, the receiving of the Torah... The end product, the end result, in both these things, at the beginning and at the end, women are at the forefront. And as I said, they exceed the men. Now in time, as it is in, in, in content, it is also in history, in terms of in terms of Jewish women in history and generation 
when we put together all the generations together, we find that the significance of women is very, very strongly highlighted in the first generation and then in the last generation. We are at the last generation, and there's the first generation. So what do we know about the first generation? We know what the Medrash, what the Gemara tells us, Sechta Sota, Daf Yud Aleph, you can look it up. The Gemara says in Sechta Sota, Ahmed Beis, Daf Yud Aleph, Ahmed Beis, Darish Reb Avira, Rav Avira said, Beschar Noshem Tzitkani Yishahoya Ba'oisei Hador, in the merit of the righteous women that were in that generation, Nigalu Yisrael Mitzrayim, the Jewish people redeemed from Egypt. You know what that means? If not for the women, we would still be building pyramids today for Paro. Oh, you would have had quite a lot of pyramids. But that's exactly what we would be doing, because if not for the women, we would not have gone out. Literally. So the Jewish people owe an unbelievable debt of gratitude to their wives, mothers, sisters, daughters. But to the, mainly it's to the women of that generation. Because they were the ones who brought the Giyula. And the Medrash goes, and the Gemara goes on to explain what it was that they did. It was the, mainly the fact that they had, they encouraged, they encouraged the, the men and, 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 and enabled that there, should, that, that, the, that there should be a Jewish continuity. They brought children into the world and so on and so forth. They soothed their husbands after the, the hard labor and so on and so forth. That's what, it, that's what the Gemara describes. Fine, that's a Masech Tzaita. That's the story, that's our beginning. The Jewish women, way back then. Then we have Yalkut Shemaini, Medrash, on Rus. So the Yalkut Shemaini says, the Medrash, over here, let me open it up, in Rus, uh, Perek, Gimel, Dalit, or Perek Dalit. So, Yitin Hashem as Isha Habal Beisecha, uh, here we are. No, Yitin Hashem es Isha Amir Abacha. Kol anoy se Isha Kshera. If you if you marry good, marry a good woman. Kilakayim kol atayra. It's as if you fulfill the entire Torah. Meiroish atzoif. You know why? Because she'll get you to keep the whole Torah. A good woman from the beginning to the end. Why? Anyways, that's why Eishes Chayil is written with psukim from Aleph to Tav. So, because you can get from the Aleph to the Tav. Okay. Then the Medrash says, The generations will not be redeemed. Only in the merit of Noshim Tzitkanius of righteous women, that there are in the generation. Shenemar, as it says, Hashem remind, remembers His kindness and His faith, His promise for redemption. Lebeis Yisrael, to the household of Israel. Lebnei Yisrael enksiv kan. It doesn't say that Hashem will keep His promise. Lebnei Yisrael, to the Bnei Yisrael, which is more of an indication of men. But rather, Lebeis Yisrael, to the house of Israel. And the house is referring to the women, because they're the Akeris Abayas. We have a clear statement, Alka Chamoni in the Medrash. The redemption, the future redemption, is going to be in the merit of the women who are currently alive. The women that are here right now are going to make Moshiach come. 
bring the gil. Why? This will be better understood by the Arizal, which I quoted a few weeks ago. Parsha Shemois, we spoke about this Arizal. I actually quoted it from a different place, but it's the same, same idea. In Shar HaGilgulim, the Ari tells us, Shar HaGilgulim, Hakdam Achof, the Arizal says, I was talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, and how Moshe Rabbeinu has to be in every generation, there has to be Nitzutzis of Moshe, but Moshe himself comes back in the last generation. Meaning not as Moshe, but he's embedded, seems like, in Moshiach. And that is Moshe Rabbeinu, or in the tzaddik that upholds the Jewish people in the last generation. That's really Moshe Rabbeinu himself, not just the Nitzus. So it says, Moshe is going to come back in a reincarnation. Bidor Bisra in the last generation. And then he will... Right? This is the meaning. You will... You're, you're passing away, and you're going to be, you're going to go. Shaykh means you lie down with your fathers. That means he's passing away. Come, but you can get up again. When? Because Moshe Rabbeinu comes again in the last generation. Gam oz bedada basra in the last generation. Anyways, if that's the case, Moshe midbar. Fine. And then he brings an interesting thing. The Zesoid, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's a funny thing, I'll repeat it. It says, some might say it's not so funny, but it is funny. It says that all the, all the scholars in this generation, their women rule over them. Why? They're from the generation. So if your wife is not ruling over you, it's a sign you're not yet such a scholar. Go learn. Anyways, why? Because they're from the generation of the Midbar. They did not give their, their, they didn't give their jewelry for the Egal. The men did and the women didn't. So the, men, the women have a superiority over the men. But what do you see? Since our generation, men and women, are the Gilgal of that generation. See clearly from here. Oh, so just like then, the women were the ones who brought the Giyula. They did it once, they got to do it again. So they're going to do it in the end again, the women are going to be the ones that are going to bring the Giyula. It's funny, I mentioned last, see, how, how I never know why something comes out of your mouth and it has repercussions. Last week, I got a call, I was invited to do a Pidyan Aben, the Wednesday night. There's actually going to be a Fabrengen for Yud Shvat. Uh, right? I mentioned before what Yud Shvat is. So in Pico, in Beis Betzal, in the Shul, is a Fabrengen. So someone invited me because that, at that time there's going to be a Pidyan Aben. So the person tells me, how did he know that I'm a Kohen? Because last time during this year, I said when I read this, I got all excited. And I, I texted my wife. I called my wife and I said, take a look what it says. It says here that the women are going to rule the men in the last generation. And my wife said, it doesn't apply to you because you're a Kohen. And Kohanim didn't participate. The whole Shevet Levi didn't participate. It was cool. So the person heard the CD or whatever, or the Shia online, and he heard, oh, Rabbi Wolf, he's a Kohen. <laughs> so it got me a Pidyan Aben. So that's really, really nice. In any case, but this is what it says. 
This is what it says in, in, in I'm by the way advertising if anybody needs to do a Pidyan Aben. <coughs> in any case, what do I, what, 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 what does this all bring us? That the generation that went out of Mitzrayim is the current generation. We are the same people. We had a, a Geula then, we have a Geula now. And it's all going to be done, it's all going to be done by the women. It's interesting we mentioned, this is also hinted to in an interesting thing. We mentioned earlier that women are not obligated in all the mitzvahs that men are obligated. It doesn't mean that women don't do it. So the Arizal explains, it doesn't mean that women don't do the mitzvahs, because on a certain level, the women and men are one neshama. So when the man does the mitzvah, the woman is doing the mitzvah as well. So women put on tefillin every day. And even if you're not married, you're, you have a, a husband somewhere. You, just, you haven't found him for whatever reason. And that man is putting on tefillin, you're, you're wearing tefillin. Right? And so on and so forth. You go all the mitzvahs. But still some people say, okay, but I'm not doing it. I'm just, be, it's being done. It's being done in my neshama. Okay. But women have one mitzvah. That one mitzvah includes all the mitzvahs. So really when they're doing that mitzvah, they're doing everything. The women have the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles. And sometimes we don't realize the depth of what that mitzvah means. The candle is called ner. The gematria of ner, and I think it also says this in Ari, but it definitely says in others for him, but I think it even says it in the Arizal as well. The gematria of ner is 250. What's 250? There are 248 positive commandments. Those 248 positive commandments, the Zohar says, in order for a commandment to soar up, you're doing a mitzvah and you want the mitzvah to rise up, to elicit godly light into the world, or as it's explained in Hasidus, what it means that the mitzvah has to rise to a, a place where the godly light, as is explained in Tanya, that the godly light of the mitzvah should be able to reveal itself. Whenever we're doing a mitzvah, we're, we're, we're bringing Hashem into the world, but not necessarily is Hashem being revealed. But when you're doing a mitzvah and the mitzvah rises to a higher place, then the light that's in that mitzvah or the divinity that's in that mitzvah can reveal itself. Fine. The Zoyar says that just like a bird only flies with wings, so to our mitzvahs need wings. How many wings does the mitzvah need? Two wings. What are the two wings that carry a mitzvah? Love and fear. When you do a mitzvah with love of Hashem and with awe and fear of Hashem, these are the two wings that propel the mitzvahs and skyrocket the mitzvahs upward. So you have 248 commandments and you apply the two wings, you get 50. 250. So what is the number 250? The number 250 represents perfect observance. Perfect observance. 248 could be observance, but not necessarily perfect. Because you could be lacking the love and the fear. You could be lacking the wings. 250 represents perfect observance. Observance of what? Of all the 248 mitzvahs. Now as men, you get to do mitzvahs, but you don't get to do all the mitzvahs every week. The woman gets to do all the mitzvahs every week by lighting the Nair Shabbos. She does them all, and she does them all perfectly. All the... Now, but let's understand, let's take this much deeper. When does she do it? She does it mamish at the end of the week as we're going into Shabbos. 
and her lighting of the candles is the first act that's done that actually brings in Shabbos. As we know, that's for her it's Shabbos already. Technically, the husband doesn't have to start Shabbos exactly when his wife lights the candles, but the Shabbos in the home came in already as soon as the woman lit her Shabbos candles. At that unbelievable junction, and the reason for that is because the main avoda that we do to rectify the world is the six days of the week. Six days of the week, we work, we toil to make the world. The Abishta took Adam Arishon, and Hashem wanted Adam Arishon to improve the world. Man was created to make an improvement. So what did Adam Arishon improve? Adam Arishon was put into Gan Eden, Hashem put him into the garden. La'avda to work it and to protect it and to guard it. Chazal say la'avda through the Ramach Mitzvah Saseh, to the 248 positive commandments, we improve the garden. And later when we got kicked out of the garden, we're still improving the world through the 248 commandments. But we know that on Shabbos we're not allowed to improve anything. Shabbos we enjoy what we have. It's forbidden to improve. The work of tikkun, and even if you're doing very holy work, you're doing really, really holy work. What's the work that we're really not? Externally, we're working to improve the world by just doing all the things. When we take food that's not edible and we make it edible, we've improved something. You're taking wood that's not really much usable and you, you turn it into a table or into a chair, into furniture, so you improved it. So that's what we're doing. We're improving the world. And even when we're improving the world on the highest level, which means we're making, it, we're making a, a place for Hashem to be, we're still not allowed to do it on Shabbos. Because once Shabbos comes, the work is done. Shabbos, over. Hashem says, don't fix anything. Enjoy what is. Just like He Himself didn't fix anything on Shabbos. And how do we know that Shabbos, you're not allowed to continue even improving spiritually on a very... How do you know that? Because what, what are the 39 types of work that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos? The work, what was done to build the Mishkan. That means we're talking about a holy work, work that makes a Mishkan. And we also know that the Jewish people were told, when they were building the Mishkan, literally, they were told that building the Mishkan does not, does not push away Shabbos. On Shabbos you have to stop. So you see that, what, that even the highest kind of improvement, on Shabbos you don't do it. Which really means that the 248 commandments that we do, even though it doesn't mean that we don't do any mitzvahs on Shabbos, but a lot of the mitzvahs we don't do on Shabbos, it doesn't mean you don't do mitzvahs on Shabbos. We can study Torah on Shabbos. We wear tzitzis on Shabbos. We do mitzvahs on Shabbos. But the general theme of mitzvahs fixing the world doesn't apply to Shabbos. Six days we work, watch Shabbos. Shabbos when we, 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 we reap the, the, the reward for all the holiness and godliness that we work during the week, we, we delight. Shabbos is a day of delight. Misha Torah Erev Shabbos. Whoever worked hard and toiled on Erev Shabbos, Yechol B'Shabbos will eat on Shabbos. It doesn't only mean Cholent and Kishka, that when you prepare it on Erev Shabbos, you can eat on Shabbos. It means that the spiritual light that will come into your Neshama during on Shabbos will come during will come comes through your work, toil and labor of Torah and mitzvahs, Torah and mitzvahs during the week. That is all 
emphasized and comes comes into uh, all materializes or, or reveals itself when the woman goes or a Jewish woman, a Jewish girl, whatever it is goes and lights the Shabbos candle because what she's really doing is she's now doing the act of taking all the mitzvahs that were done which are the 248 commandments with the wings which enable them to reveal the light as we said earlier without the wings the mitzvahs are mitzvahs but they can't reveal the light what's the job what happens from weekday to Shabbos the transition of the work to the reward which is the light the godly glow that comes as a result of the mitzvahs that were done when does that happen? At the moment Shabbos is coming in, we're turning from weekday, the work is over, and now, revelation, the light of Shabbos comes in. Who is that job given to? It's given to the woman. What is she doing? She's lighting a nair. What is a nair? The nair includes within it all the mitzvahs her husband did, her family did, all the mitzvahs that were done are now coming into illumination. And what's going to happen? That light is going to burn on Shabbos. It's going to give the Shabbos light. So even though with our physical silly eyes that we're, we're so limited, we only see a nice Shabbos candle burning. We're not seeing that this light that's shining under that you, that the woman just lit is all the godly light that the mitzvahs that were done in her family, in her house the whole week is now shining with that light. So she is the culmination, she's the final touch of the work of the week. What's the last act? Turning on the candle. Lighting that flame of all the, all the 248 mitzvahs and issuing in that light. And here's the amazing thing. Just like there is the week and the Shabbos, every week and every Shabbos, there is the six millennia of history. 6,000 years of history in which we're preparing for Yom Shakulei Shabbos, for the day of Shabbos. So throughout the six days of the week, the main emphasis is on the men. All the, you know. But as we get to the last generation and we're ready, ready to be Makabal Shabbos, the great, great, grand Shabbos, here the men are useless. Here is where the men have to give it up to the ladies. Because the ladies are the ones who are going to light that candle for all of history to usher in Yom Shekulei Shabbos. The ultimate light. As we said, final generation. Now let's take a look and see how the women play a role at the beginning. We see that Miriam, this week in the Parsha, when they sang Shira. The, the, the Pasuk says, Vatikach Miriam Anaviyah, that Miriam Anaviyah took a satoif. She took, oh, here we have it. Oh, the Miriam took a tof. She took a, the drums or the tambourine, biyada in her hand. And all the women came out after her. With tambourines and with dances. Miriam, and Miriam called out to them. Shiru Hashem, sing to Hashem, ki go because he's so great. Sus veroich bayam, he cast the, the, the horse and its rider in the sea. 
That's interesting. In the parsha, we have the song of the men, and we also have the song of the women. First, the song of the men, Oz Yashir Moshe, and then we have the song of the women. The Haftorah of Parsha's Beshalach, the Haftorah, which we read in the portion of Navi, always takes the main event in the Parsha and highlights it. Because the Haftorah is Me'ein HaParsha. When did the Haftorah came, come about? There was once a time when there was a decree that the Jewish people are not allowed to, are not allowed to read in the Torah on Shabbos. So what they did was, because they weren't allowed to read in the Torah on Shabbos, they, you know, in Yiddish there's an expression, Ayid Gepzachanaitza. A Jew always figures something out. So we figured out, we can't read Torah, we're going to read Navi. And then we wouldn't be, it wouldn't be illegal, because they only said Torah. Right? They didn't say Navi, so we read prophets. But we wanted to keep, you know, so we always looked for something in the prophets that's re- reminding us which parish it is. So obviously those who selected the Torah looked for the main point and found it in the Navi. And they were accurate. So there's a lot of things that happen in Parshas B'Shalach. There is the Mon, there's the War of Amalek, and lots of things. But what is the Haftorah? It's the song. Interesting. Even though I said earlier there are nine songs that the Jewish people sang, and all of them were sung by men besides one of them. The first one was sung by men and women, but all the other ones, no. Two of them were sung by women. Two of the songs. One was sung by Hannah, the mother of... And the second one was sung by Devoira. And interesting, the Haftorah for Parshas Peshalach is a woman's song. Vatasher Devoira Devora sang. Devora the, the prophetess, Devora the shofetess, she was the she actually ruled, she was the she was the Posekador, you know, it's really interesting. She was the Shay, she's the leader of the Jewish people during the time of the Shoftim. So it's interesting. In Shvishel Pesach, we also read the Shira. Shvishel Pesach, the seventh day of Pesach, we also lay in the Shira. What Haftorah do we do? Not the Haftorah of a woman, we, do a song. we also do a song. That's a song of a man, the song of David HaMelech. But the Haftorah of, of, of Bishalach is the Haftorah of a woman. So why is it? So that means that when they looked at Parshas Bishalach, whoever it was, probably, you know, that instituted this, talking about people, Bali Ruach HaKodesh, Tzadikim, whatever, on the highest caliber, and they looked for what is the, like the main part of the entire parsha. They said definitely Shira Sayam. It's like that was the time of Ruach HaKodesh. That was the time when the Jewish people had the highest prophecy. They saw Zekeli Van Veyu. They saw the unbelievable. But yet, in that song, they felt that the song of the woman overpowers the song of the men. And, they, and, they, and the Haftorah that they gave was the Haftorah of the women singing, not, not of a man's. The Tzemach Tzedek said that he heard this from his Zayda asked the question. Which means from the Balatanya asked this question. Why is it that the Haftorah, Ashvisha Pesach, it's a song from David HaMelech, but on Peshalach, it's the, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, even though in the parsha you have the men singing and the women singing, the Haftorah is a woman singing, a shira of a woman, not an, a, a shira of a man. And he answered. His answer was, because the woman's song was greater than the men. In what sing sense was the woman's song greater than the men? They sang it with so much more joy than the man sang it. Their, their, their incredible simcha was, oh my, how do you see that? They had musical accompaniment, which the men didn't have. 
And they had dancing. But the men, it doesn't say that they were dancing. And the women were dancing. So their song was much stronger than the men. And that's why the Haftorah lands by the women, not by the men. So now we need to understand why is there, why are they so great? Why Taka was the joy of the ladies so much greater than the men, and therefore their song was so much greater than the song of the men? And the answer to that is, who led the Jewish women into song? A woman by the name of Miriam. Moshe Rabbeinu's older sister. The Medrash says, why is Miriam called Miriam? The Medrash Rabbah. Why is Miriam called Miriam? The Medrash says, they embittered their lives. It's a Medrash Perik Chavav and Shmois Rabbah, right at the beginning. Hashem appointed a, a redeemer for the Jewish people. Who is the redeemer of the Jewish people? Zu Miriam. That's Miriam. Al Shem Hamaror, because of her bitterness. So Miriam was called bitter, Miriam, because the word Miriam stands for bitterness. Like we eat by the Seder, we eat maror. To remember the bad days, the difficult days. So Miriam is called Miriam because of the bitterness. But yet it's interesting, the Medrash however says that the Abishter appointed for the Jewish people a goel, a redeemer, who is Miriam, and she's called Miriam because of the bitterness. Now bitterness and geula are two opposites. Geula is Happiness. Miriam is bitterness. So how are we mixing a chalant over here? How are we mixing two opposite things? A, 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 a bitterness. And, and the matter says, that sh- the Abishter appointed for the Jewish people a goel. Now the truth is, Miriam wasn't the goel. The goel was Moshe and Aaron. Now the matter continues to do that. Moshe is also a goel and Aaron is also a goel. But it seems like the matter contributes the geula to three goalim. It was a, it was a trial. It was a, it was a team of three. Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam are all part of the, of the Giyula. And what's Miriam? But Miriam's part has to do with murder, with bitterness. So it's an interesting thing. From here we see Miriam is called Miriam because of her bitterness. Why? Miriam was born 86 years before the Giyula. We know that the Golos, Mitzrayim, was 210 years, but the first period of time, it wasn't too bad. When Yaakov was in Mitzrayim, it was the best years. 17 years, it was unbelievable. After Yaakov Avinu's days, what happened, it started getting, but Yosef was still alive, the Jews were still prestigious citizens in Mitzrayim. When Yosef died, Levi, as long as one of the Shvatim were alive, there was already anti-Semitism, but it wasn't yet, it didn't get really bad. Once the last Shevet died, it started getting worse and worse, that's when the Gezebra started, but it says that the real, horrible, worst Gezebra Started the last 86 years. Eight, and we once spoke about it, 86 is Pevav, is Gematri of the name Eloikim. Aleph Lamed Hey Yud Mem. The name of Elohim is Midas Adin, judgments. That's when the Jewish people felt the full brunt of, of, of Shem Elohim. That's when they started killing Jewish babies and all that intense stuff. Miriam was born just at that time. Because it became so bitter, they named their baby bitterness. But if the Torah calls her that way, it means it's not just that people were frustrated they named their baby bitterness, but that's her name and her life means that's something she should be proud of about that bitterness. But what is that? What does that mean? 
That means like this. The reason why the Jewish women sang more than the men, on the simple level, was because the Jewish women felt the pain of exile more than the men. As terrible as the suffering was for the men, because we know that from, from many Midrashim that the men were enslaved with the worst kind of slave labor, even worse than the women. But as bad as all that slave labor was, the real terrible part of Mitzrayim was the butchering of the children. When they took the newborn babies and they cast them into the Nile, that was unbearable. When they took Jewish babies and they were slaughtering them by the hundreds every day for Paro's bath, that was like beyond. And we know the nature of a mother is to feel the pain more, more than the father. And it is for that reason, because the women had such an unbearable suffering in the Gullahs, so we always know, lefim tsara agra, according to the pain is the reward. So since the woman felt the brunt of the pain more than the, than, the, than, the, than the men, the women rejoiced with the redemption more than the men. But now a deeper level. The Gemara tells us in Mesechtis Megillah, the Gemara says in Mesechtis Megillah, watch this, the Gemara says that... Um, on this week's parsha, it says, "Vatikach Miriam Anavia, Chois Aaron, the sister of Aaron, Dafyu Dalad, the, the, the Gemara Mesechtes Megillah, Loya Chois Moshe. Is she not the sister of Moshe? She's also the sister of Moshe. How come it says in the parsha that Miriam, the sister of Aaron, Amar Rebbe Gamliel, Amar Rav, Shehoisa Misnaba, Kishihia Chois Aaron, she said prophecy when she was the sister of Aaron. Vaoimeres. That means she's called Miriam the prophetess because her main prophecy." was when Moshe wasn't born yet, so she wasn't yet the sister of Moshe, she was the sister of Aaron. And what did she say? She said prophecy when she was a little girl, that Moshiach was coming, and that Moshiach was going to be born. My mother is going to give birth to a son, that's going to save the Jewish people. She knew that her mother, Yecheved, is going to give birth to the Redeemer. And when the Redeemer was born, and the whole house became filled with light, when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, literally the house was filled with light, her father realized, wow, that her words were true. Because he conceived from the first second that he was the Redeemer. So what did her father do? He kissed her on her head. Your nevuah, your prophecy was fulfilled. But then when they had to take the baby and put her into the Nile, and, and, and Amram, as big as the, he was the leader of the generation, looks like didn't have the Yamuna. And what did he do? So his father went and he hit her on the head. My daughter, where is your nevuah? He was so heartbroken that the baby is now being cast in the Nile and finished. But what did she do? His sister stood at a distance. She knew that the nevuah that was given, the prophecy that was given, was not going to go back. They come, like the pasuk says. We say it that the Abishta's words will not go back empty. She, when a prophet has a prophecy, they know it's absolutely true. So, but she just wanted to know how it's going to happen. So she stood at the side, watching. But not only that, it wasn't only Shemayas. Miriam, 
for the next 80 years. Moshe Rabbeinu disappeared. She involved, took him to this house of Paroi. Then he had to run away, and he was away for many years. The entire time, Miriam waited for the Giyula, for Moshe Rabbeinu to come back, for the Giyula to happen in a manner of non-stop burning and yearning for the Giyula. She experienced opposite feel. On the one hand, she had tremendous bitachin. And for sure that, that, that the Giyula is going to come. On the other hand, she felt the pain of exile like no one else. It hurt her so much and she yearned for the redemption that she was sure it was going to happen. Her pain that she felt was so strong, the pain and frustration of the Golas. She so disliked the exile and so wanted the Giyula that her name that we call her is Miriam. means that became her identity. Therefore, when the Giyula happened, she led the song that, and she led all the Jewish women in that song. And that song that they sang and the, and, and the, and the, and the simcha that they felt at that song went beyond, beyond, beyond the men, unbelievable to a level that like higher, and to the highest levels. Actually, it says in the Medrash Tanchuma, Medrash Rabbah also brings it, that when the Jews were singing Shira, it says the Malachim wanted to sing. So first Hashem didn't let the Malachim sing because the Mitzvah were drowning, so He didn't want to let them sing. In the morning, when the Jews came out of the Yamsuf and the Malachim wanted to sing, Hashem said, no, let the Jews sing first. That's why the Medrash answers, it says, Yashir Moshe. should have said, Azshar Moshe. So the Medrash says, Yashir Moshe. Hashem is commanding Moshe, you sing first. So the Malachim, so the Moshe sang with the Bnei Yisrael. Then the men, the men were finished singing. The Malachim said, okay, now it's our turn. Hashem said, no. Now the ladies will sing. Then the ladies sang, and only after the ladies sang did the Malachim sing. One opinion in the Medrash is that the Malachim did sing before the women, but it was only after Miriam gave them permission. Because the Pasuk says, Vatan lohem Miriam. It should have says, Vatan lohen in feminine. Miriam said to them, to the, to the, to the, to the women, it says lohem to them. It's that Miriam gave permission to the end, but that's only one opinion in the Medrash. According to the other opinion in the Medrash, no. The women too, which means the Malachim were silenced and the Malachim had to wait. And the Malachim had to listen to the men singing and the women singing and only after the men and the women sang, Shira were the, women allowed, were, were the Malachim allowed to sing. It's actually hinted to in the Pasuk, the, the Medrash brings this Pasuk. Kidmu Sharim, here, here this Pasuk, Perek Samaches and Tehillim. Kidmu Sharim Acha Noignim, Perek Samaches, chapter 68 in Psalms, Verse 26, the singers began, that's the Jewish people, then the musicians, referring to the Malachim, Kid Musharim, Achar Noignim, Achar, afterwards comes the, comes, the, comes the musicians, which are the Malachim, Betoich, and in the middle of the, these two songs, Alamois Teifeifois, in the maidens playing timbrels. So that's referring to the ladies. So they're in the middle of the song. And as I said earlier, their song is so much more powerful that the shira that we get in the end is the shira of a woman and not the shira of a man. The entire Golos came, and, and it's interesting, that will explain why Miriam is called bitter, but the Medrash says, Hashem put a goel, a redeemer. 
The, the Geula came. What brought the Geula? The Geula came because there were women who couldn't bear the exile, yearned for the Geula, were bittered by the, by, by the darkness, and were waiting for the Geula. That brought the redemption. The women's frustration with the, with the exile, bitterness from the darkness, and their longing and certainty that the Geula is coming, that's what brought Mashiach, brought the redemption. And it showed itself in that tremendous song. Now it's interesting when we, just, just parenthetically, when it talks about Devorah singing her song, and that was after a victory, the Jewish people had a victory. So the Medrash says, and I said that it has to do with, so the Medrash says that, um, not the Medrash, also the Gemara and the Sechtas over here, it says, it says, Vatasha, she sang Devorah, Eishas Lapidos, the wife of Lapidos. So people say, Veda Lapidos, who is this? <laughs> Lapidos is not a known person. No one knows who he is. So usually when you name someone, after you say the wife of someone. Everybody knows Devorah, but no one knows this Lapidos. So why are we naming Eishas Lapidos as if there's like... So the, the Marsha says that's, what, that's the question the Gemara means to ask. And the Gemara says Lapidos is not her name of her husband. The Lapidos means that, the, that what was Devorah's chus, that she became a shofetas, she became a navi and a via. She made, Lapidos means she was the one who spun wicks for the Beis HaMikdash. She was making the wicks and Lapid means fire. She was always making wicks for the Beis HaMikdash. The merit of her making the wicks for the Beis HaMikdash is made her a nevuah. Again, that is in, indicative of the women's mitzvah to make what? To bring the nearest, to bring the candles. In a sense, every Jewish home is a Beis HaMikdash. The woman making the wicks and the women making, making the, 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 Shabbos, the Shabbos candles, the light that comes to the world is lapidos, the age. The second merit that the woman had, that Devorah had, that the, Pasuk, that the Gemara emphasizes, is that she was sitting under Tomer Devorah, Tomer. So why was she sitting under a Tomer? She was sitting under a Tomer because the Tomer has very, very high branches. And when people came to talk to her, she didn't want to have Yichud, which means for a man and a woman to be together under one roof in a secluded place. So she dafka sat in a place where there is no branches, where there are, and obviously that means she took a lot of heat because she's not getting the shade. But yet she sat there because of her tzniyas. So the two merits that, that, that we're talking about is the tzniyas, the modesty of the Jewish woman, the Jewish woman's bringing light into the world. That's what brought, that, that's emphasized in the Song of Devorah. But the most amazing and the most important thing is the appreciation, understanding that the conclusion of the exile, which is, as we said before, now is the generation of the, of the Gauls, is the generation that, that is the concluding generation, a Gilgal of the first generation. The whole Geula came about, Tafka from Miriam Anavia, because she ached and pained the Gullus and waited for the Geula with breathless anticipation the entire time when the men were out of it. She was into it more than anybody else, and that's why there was a Geula. So it's interesting, I was going to quote you. One of the last, last talks that the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave was to women. And in that talk, the truth is, I don't even know if this talk was to women, but it was about women. And I'm going to quote to you something amazing. 
He says, Kashem should be Yetzias Mitzrayim, just like Yetzias Mitzrayim. The righteous woman of the generation, that Hashem is doing them nisim. It's another sign that they had a moon and the giyula. Another sign, because the men didn't have any musical instruments. Women prepared already. They were so sure they go. They knew Mashiach is going to come. In those days, Moshe Rabbeinu was Mashiach, and they were so certain that it was going to happen. So they were already preparing instruments for the great celebration. They were already preparing the party. They had their party planners preparing the party. And the men, you spoke to them that Mashiach was coming, they were krechting. Maybe. I hope I'll be zoich in my lifetime. The women were not like that. It's happening today, tomorrow. They were so sure. They needed to have you. So he says, The women, the righteous women of our generation, They're sure, they're certain, that the gula is coming, to the point that they're already starting Bahashira in the song. That means that the women should already, and he puts in the bottom, and of course, in a manner that it's sneers, that is not a problem with modesty, that the women start their song. And dance, and with tambourines. Even while we're still in Golas, the women should be dancing already for the Giyula, for the redemption. And more specific, in conjunction with the prayer, Habakasha, the petition, the hadrisha, and the demand. Ma'akadish baruchu. Shayavay asagulah take of a miyad mamish that he should bring Mashiach immediately, which comes about through a feeling of deep pain and bitterness. Miriam al shema mirror alarichas agolus, which expresses itself with a terrible, with a very deep cry. The lave amok from the depth of the heart. Admosai, admosai, admosai. Until when is the gulas going to last? So in conjunction with that, chadurasen, they are also permeated and primarily beregesh hasimcha. So women have like, like it's this dual opposite experience. On the one hand, the power for frustration and demand of the Eibishter, vilang noch, how much more are we going to endure? And at the same time, permeated with powerful feeling of joy, the simcha gedoyle b'yoyser and the greatest boy, boy which comes from the Goidel Bitochen Shehine Zeha Melech HaMashiach Ba. That Melech HaMashiach is already coming of Kvar Ba, and he's already here already. Amazing, just amazing um, words, an amazing thing, teaching for the ladies. I wanted to conclude with a short little teaching from the Mo'er Vishamish. The Mo'er Vishamish was a great Chassidish Rebbe. His uh, name was Rebbe Kloinim is Kalman Epstein. He was a student of Rebbe Melech of Lazenz. It's one of the classic Chassidish Svarim. He asks the question, talking about the ladies dancing, and he asks the question, how come by, by, by Moshe Rabbeinu singing, it says, that what, that Moshe Rabbeinu sang, it says, um, Ashira, I will sing, in the future. Ashira, Lashem, we will sing. By the women, it says, Vatama, Shiro, sing now. Not we will sing, sing now. It says also, what's the emphasis that the women went out bimachoilois, with dance? He says, no word in the Torah is extra. There must be a deeper meaning. I mean, this itself, that they went with dancing, but he's looking for something more. And secondly, he says, what does it mean if a toitzena, they went out? Where did they go out of? And here's an amazing and amazing teaching. You know, women, I mentioned earlier, sometimes are in 
the side of the mechitza on the on the women's side, and are kind of you know, you know, it's not not taking part of the action so much, especially when it comes simchas Torah, because that's when you know, everybody's dancing and a very good time, and there's a lot of with the sefer Torah doing akafas, and the women are not doing akafas. He says the most amazing thing. Who originated hakafas? He says the women were the ones who made the first hakafas. They were the ones. They were the ones who taught the akafas. They did the akafas. Why? He says, "What's the deeper meaning of akafas? Of this going around the bima, and we do it only shmini atzeres simchas torahs. Like the peak of the year, we have this stafka, this dance called hakafas." He says, "What it really means is as follows." He says, "When Hashem created the world, we know there's two types of lights. There's an ur makif, the encompassing light of God, which is infinite and ain't sof. Before Hashem contracts His light." And then there is a very, very narrow string of light. Maybe it's what we call string theory. It's a, this, this string of light, it's the kav. And this kav is, a, is an energy of God that begins in the higher worlds and it goes lower and lower, gets narrower, weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker as it descends. And, the, and all the worlds evolve, they receive energy from the higher levels and they pass it on to the next world. In that system, of light going from level to level to level to level, he says there is male and female. Because the mashpia is always male, and the recipient is always female. So since the light, meaning the knowledge of God, the awareness of Hashem, the connection to Hashem, comes through stage by stage from level to level, there is mashpia and makabal, there is male and female. Fine, he says. That's the lights that we're having now, because we're only receiving a little ray of Hashem. When Mashiach will come, Hashem Himself will be revealed, not His rays. In Hasidus, it means the light of Keser, the encompassing infinite light. That's why it says, Hashem is going to make a circle for the Tzadikim, and they're all going to point with their finger, and they're going to say, There is Hashem. He's, Hashem sits in the middle, and they're all going to be pointing with their finger, and they're going to say, This is, this is the Ebesh there, right? She says, What's the idea of a, a Machel? He says, in a circle, the middle is equal to every point in the circle. No one is closer, no one is further. That's the, what he says when the prophecy, when Mashiach comes, it says, No one will teach their friends, Everybody will know me, because when the revelation of the Hashem Himself, there's no higher and lower, it's not coming through a filter, it's going directly to everybody, and everybody is equal. That's the machal of Mashiach. And it's only going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. He said, there was one time that we reached that machal. And he says, that's the reason why, by the way, every year when it comes to Simchas Torah and at the end of the holidays, we're, we're trying to evoke that Oyer HaKeser, that infinite light, the light of the Abishter himself to be revealed of Mashiach. So we do Hakafis. In other words, the whole point of Hakafis is we're getting out of the whole system. We're going past the system to a place where everybody's equal. That's also the reason why when you see Hakafis, you see we don't give honor to anybody. Everybody's together, young and old and this and that. Everybody's one because all the differences, higher and lower, melt away. Everybody's equal. Ah, so he says, when Moshe Rabbeinu sang Shira, Moshe Rabbeinu was singing the song only from, but he had the giloy only from the, from the narrow light. The men only had the giloy from the narrow light. So therefore, there was still, from a level where there's still mashpia and makabal, influencer and receiver. And therefore, when the men were singing, they said, Ashira, we will sing. 
because they, they haven't reached the highest revelation. They said, okay, we, we have now enough to make us sing, but we, there's a higher, there's a greater revelation. So Ashira, we will sing. By Miriam it says, Vatoitsena, she took them out of the system. Vatoitsena, she took the women out from this entire Seder Ishtalshalus, from this entire evolving place, and she came to that, and she made besupim ubemachoilois. They made, they made circles, which means they had a kafis right then and there, which is a kafis means you're touching the or makif, the encompassing light. That's what a means, or makif, the infinite light, where everybody is equal. The gilu of the Eberster himself, and that's why she didn't have to wait. There's nothing. There's no higher revelation. The women reached the highest revelation possible. That's why they said, "Shiru, sing now." Now we will sing. Nothing. No. Nothing higher tomorrow. We're already there. Shiru, sing right now. Dafka, the women had that revelation because the messianic light is related to women much more than it is to men. Or Gilur, it says the shorish of women is in Kesser, is in that infinite place. May the Abish to help that we should already dance the ultimate hakafis. And remember, we men are waiting for you women to get the job done. We're going to help if you need our help. But here you are. <laughs> it's all yours. The Abish said, we honor you with the, big, with the big honor to take us to Mashiach Tzedkenu and get it done already. Let's go. Why, why should we wait any longer? Let's see it now. Amen. Yeah, you need